Thursday, as I found out in our pre-show meeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad for this. I never know what time of the morning it is, and I'm well, always we like, got Charles well, Davis no, Charles Davis going to come on. It's, it's Tuesday. Like, no, he's not. Nah, he's not going to. No. I mean, just because you very affable guy. On. I do. Uh, I would gladly talk to Charles every day. Sure, of course. Why not? No, but you know what today is? Uh, you're going to tell me. Officially, less than a week now until Christmas Day, and I got to tell you. Oh, okay. I have to tell you something too. Finished my Christmas shopping yesterday. Like Atta fully, boy. completely. The the last thing was actually the most difficult to find. Mm. Uh, I feel comfortable saying this okay. that, that my kid, my my eight year old's not like you know one waking up at six o'clock in the morning and two flipping on the radio. To he's listen. not a, not a pod guy. I he, what if he goes <laughs> back and he's like, I miss dad. Yeah. I, that doesn't happen. That does not happen. Um, but yeah, you know what was surprisingly difficult to acquire was was a Kansas City Chiefs jersey for an eight year old. Like, okay, they're not available online, and I don't like. There are other sizes. Like toddler, sure. you got a four year old, no yeah. problem. You can find a Chiefs okay. jersey. But for whatever reason, an eight year old's Kansas City Chiefs jersey not easy to procure. I went to the mall yesterday and, and eventually found one. But I was asking around for a Chiefs mm-hmm. jersey, and did you know that this now when you ask for mm-hmm. a Chiefs jersey for your child, yeah, you get this. Oh, your your kid's a Taylor Swift I, fan. I was gonna make the joke like, oh, he's big Swifty, eh? He, I was gonna do the joke. He's not like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, he's he's well, it was posed to me. He's a big Taylor fan. I was like, who's Taylor? This You're is like Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor. Oh, no, no. Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, no, because he's doing the thing that yeah. is totally acceptable as an eight-year-old right. kid, like choosing the, the <sighs> dynastic franchise of the era to I, be a fan of. I was 11 years or 10 years old when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, and I'm a Pats fan, so I cannot no. sit here and throw a single stone. No, it's it's acceptable. But, yeah, so that is in the books. We are, Good job by we you. We are done. We are complete. I, uh, I'm very happy to hear for you that you were able to do that. I am a big, big fan of feeling like I have all my shopping done and do, in fact, all, have all my shopping done. I just told you I got to go grab an item. Mm-hmm. Also a jersey, of course, mm-hmm. just a couple of couple of sports dads here. Yeah. Got to go get a Hockey Canada jersey for my, uh, my, my little guy. Uh, we're going to be watching juniors. It's going to be awesome. But I am a big fan of having the shopping done. And then I like to, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? But I like to, in the, like, not Christmas Eve, but in the day or two leading up to that, I love going into a mall or something, you're having all my person. shopping done. and What going, is wrong with and you? And going, eh, I just want to see if there's what something is- else. That, because <laughs> I like the feeling of seeing the panic and the stress in other people's eyes. Like, you're oh my God, a I, war don't, criminal. I don't have anything for little Susie. What am I going to do? Oh I'm going, oh, I, got, I got everything I need for little Gordo, but I happen to see something, you a little stocking stuffer. Yeah, I love feeling, it's funny, my wife and I were both joking that the only time we ever turn to each other and go like, hey, have you drank enough water today is when we just finished like chugging water because we had a headache. So it's this air of superiority I like to feel about myself. And that is why I love that leading into uh, the holiday That's season here. psychotic behavior. I also have to say, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a Grinch, a bit of a grouse and... I don't know if it was just the the little dusting we had this morning, but 
had some Christmas music coming in. I'm, oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the spirit, I'd Buddy, say. here's, I mean. Yeah, I know. You want to put me on a list. You can't even do the no, show no, anymore. No, 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 no. That, yeah, I'm just going to move off of that because that's honestly, <laughs> like, I, it's disturbing. <laughs> that's something you enjoy, watching the people scrambling oh, yeah, with, like, like, 48 uh, hours to go. It's like full jingle all the way. Like, oh, give me the doll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to do that on steroids, yeah, like you should hang out like the Shoppers Drug Mart or like the the gas station, right? Like on <laughs> I Christmas mean, Eve. I've also like been that guy, so yeah. maybe I know way too well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Give me give me snow as opposed to this rain garbage that we've had the last couple of days. At least like yeah, it's it's visually a little bit more appealing. Like it it's, I, if I'm not going to see the sun for the next three months, <laughs> which I'm not, like I've I've I understand. That's that's the way she goes. Mm-hmm. At least giving something that is reflecting of the the little light that we have, and and yeah, I'm fine with the dusting of snow. All yeah, right. I uh, I'm good with it as well. But I I could have done. I don't mind the rain. Like I got to be honest. I'm what? like the the snow is fine <laughs> until yeah until there's a foot of it and I have to shovel sure. it off my car and all that. Dusting, great, beautiful aesthetic, all yeah. of that. No, I hate the rain. I know. All right. Um, there's lots to get to today. Uh, let's start with the Leafs, though, because it's Leafs game day. They mm-hmm. got the Rangers in the returning engagement after putting the uh, the wood to the Rangers at MSG on the back end of back-to-back, mm-hmm. wrapping up the dad's trip last week after uh, an overtime loss on Long Island against the Islanders. They, they just, I mean, just laid it to Igor Shosturkin mm-hmm. in that hockey game. Uh, Leafs looking for a point in a 10th consecutive Game now the Rangers still up there uh, atop the Eastern Conference. Them and the Bruins are are kind of they're the bellwethers, I guess, of of this conference. But to that point, like we talked so much of uh, the conversation about this season and what the Leafs are going to do at the deadline does not involve them being at the peak of their powers mm-hmm. uh, as far as this being the eighth year of of Austin Matthews and this generation of Leafs team. It's hey the flattened talent pool across the NHL, but specifically the Eastern Conference. Are there measuring stick games anymore considering that? And if there are, what what are they for the Leafs? Is is the Rangers one or is it like teams you have specific rivalries against? Like the Bruins, it's st- like Bruins, there's no debate. Mm-hmm. The Bruins is a measuring stick yep. game. And the Leafs have played some close and intense games against the Bruins this season. Lightning have fell on hard times for this sure. season. I know that they've chased Ilya Sampson off a couple of times and some exciting comebacks for the Leafs mm-hmm. in those games, but it's Hard to view the the Lightning and the way they've played as a measuring stick game. I mean, you get one postseason series against the Panthers with a little animosity. Mm-hmm. Does that become a measuring stick? Like, what are the measuring stick games for the Leafs? So I think the way you pose that question is important because I think I still think there are measuring stick games in the NHL. And I think for teams that haven't been kind of running on the treadmill, for the lack of better terms, for three, four, five years. And I know they got over the hump. I know they won around, but they've been in this mode for, again, you know, nearly half a decade now. I think for teams like, you know, just to pick one, the Canucks, there are a lot of measuring stick games for the Canucks. This is a team that was yeah. dreadful last season, coming on, younger pieces coming into their prime, haven't had that run of success. I think when you you could pick five, six, seven teams where those are measuring stick games. But for a team like the Leafs, where they've been through this road a million times before, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head on who the measuring stick games are. It's Boston. It's Florida. And measuring stick is not the right wording for it, but Tampa games still feel big. Mm. Until they're not. 
Mm-hmm. One day they're not, and it's going to kind of be a snap of a finger. It might even be as soon as when Steven Stamkos is no longer on the team next year because he hasn't signed a contract extension yet. Maybe it's as soon as that. One day it'll stop feeling that way, but I think still in the moment it does it does feel that way. And again, they don't play him again until April, so maybe we'll feel different about it by the time that rolls around. The Rangers, I think, are a measuring stick team for the Leafs because of the way they do it stylistically. Now, their forwards, I think, you know, they sometimes get a bit of a rap for being a heavier team than they are up front. You just think of Kreider, but if you think of all the other guys on that team, like Zabinajad, not a heavy player, Panarin, not heavy, Lafreniere, he's a little greasy, but he's not a big, heavy, bruising guy. But look what they got on the back end. They got the world's greatest assassin, who I love, would kill for him to be a Leaf. Jacob Truba. They got Keandre Miller. That is a big guy. They are clearly a team that kind of prides himself on that style of play. So I think there's some element of that, but it is not a capital M measuring stick game because this is a team that has the place they do in the standings. I think going into New York, that still means something Mm. because Madison Square Garden and more importantly, the Rangers 10-3-0 at home this year. You handed them one of the three losses they've had. That matters. So I think there are very specific ways you can look at things to be measuring sticks. But for a team like the Leafs, few and far between. No, the the true answer is the Leafs are everybody else's measuring stick. Yep. No matter matter what happens to to this team in the postseason and has happened to this Mm -hmm. team in the postseason over seven years with just one series victory, it doesn't matter. Like these these teams coming into Toronto um, against the Leafs team that's always in the playoffs, like that's – yeah, you don't you don't need to find measuring stick games because you get everybody's best, especially yep. in the city of Toronto, and I expect uh, more of the same tonight. And you know what, the defending champs, like when when they play the Golden Knights a couple of times coming yep. up in the new year, when they play the Avalanche, like teams of recent vintage winning the Stanley Cup, those those are also measuring stick. So games. Vegas, Vegas is the one team that feels different because they are the antithesis to how the Leafs are built. Like I know they have Jack Eichel and he makes a lot of money and so does Petrangelo. So does Mark Stone. We don't necessarily think of it, but they're, they're a team that is more deep. It is the wealth is spread out more than the Leafs. And it's also just go look at that blue line. Like it is a big, heavy test. So I think that is maybe the biggest measuring stick game for the Leafs you get. You mentioned the avalanche there. It's just a weird thing that, since the Kadri trade, they've kind of owned Colorado. Some of the bigger wins they've had. There was an 8-1 win last year or two years ago at home at Scotiabank against the Avs. And I think that's the other thing that kind of complicates matters with the Leafs for the measuring stick game is, isn't the Leafs real measuring stick game Columbus on a Thursday? Mm. That's the hardest thing in the world for them is a game that does not matter against a team that mm-hmm. they should not worry about at all. Like, isn't that the true... Because there, there's so much. Do you want them to care more about that game, though? Like, I understand what you're saying, but like that is clearly the game. I don't, but I think people do look at that and go, "That's actually the test for this team." Yeah, I guess, but like that doesn't indicate to me that this is a team that's ready to break through and win multiple rounds in the postseason. Like that is the get. That's the game that, like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I, I I think you should get up for all 82 regular season games. But I know that that's not possible. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to get up for every single game, despite your best efforts, yep. let it be the Thursday nights against Columbus. Like, that's actually one that I'm like, ah, I, I kind of get that. I mostly agree with that. The thing I would say, and the reason why I think it still holds a little bit of weight, is there were a lot of things that did them in in that Panther series. Mm-hmm. There are a lot. But I think the thing that did them in more than any other 
was taking their foot off the gas for two minutes at the beginning of the second period, and I forget which game it was, game two or game three, and it felt like the series was over from that point when the Panthers scored two goals in the first mm-hmm. two minutes of the second period. So not to say that that is the same test of coming out to start a period in a Stanley Cup playoff game, but but that is the problem with this yeah. team is that they have shown them the... It is, it is rarely... There have been awful just late egg games and big spots for this team in the playoffs, but it's rarely that. It is usually a bad period, a bad five-minute stretch that does them in, and they can't climb out of that hole. That's been the recipe for what's done this team in. So I think there is... I agree with you. You can't get up. You, everything can't be your Super Bowl, but I think there is some element of that of, even if it's not, play it like it's your Super Bowl. Play it like it's the first game of the playoffs. Just do enough, and that's what this team has proven in spades this year, the ability to do, but I think that's why people Buddy, would still look at that. I, I, I You know what? I'm going to start the 7 o'clock hour with our uh, with uh, what I think is um, a valid discussion in the city of Toronto about how you know we kind of – Underrate how great it is uh, to watch the Leafs during the regular season here, but I will say that I am done thinking or trying to understand how anything in this regular season <laughs> relates to the postseason for this team. I, I just there's there's no carryover for me. So yeah, there's it's hard for me to to, to view a lesson learned against the Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets as something that is going to keep them from allowing the Panthers to score two goals in the first two minutes of the second period. Speaking of the Panthers, mm-hmm. um, if the season ended right now. They'd be locked into a first-round matchup against mm. the Florida Panthers, a rematch of their second-round matchup a season ago. They're only five points back of the Bruins for tops in the Atlantic with the game in hand, so that's very much on the table. In fact, the, the Leafs, like, yeah, all of a sudden their goal differential is the exact same as the New York Rangers, right? So, like, you can yeah. point to the regulation wins thing with the only nine compared to the Bruins 15 or the Rangers 17. Uh, okay, if you're going to do that, you should also point to the goal differential, which is basically the same as both. And it is actually identical to the New York Rangers, despite the fact they played one fewer game. Is is the idea of getting out of a first-round matchup against a team that seems pretty well-suited to play postseason hockey and a team that already has some institutional knowledge about beating you in a postseason series in the Florida Panthers, enough motivation for this group during the regular season to try and win the Atlantic? This isn't the answer anybody wants, but you know what the motivation is for these guys and the recipe for them to win the Atlantic. It's Austin Matthews to want to get 70 goals. It's Mitch Marner to get 120 points. It's William Nylander to get his 50 and 100 or whatever we were saying he's going to get. And it's John Tavares to get his 82. So he continues to be a point per game player. And we all say good things about him. And I know people are going to roll their eyes at that, but guess what? That's best recipe for this team having a good, strong, regular season. Oh, boy, when were the Leafs going really well? Well, I think it was when Nylander was on a heater and nobody in the world could stop him. And then, gee, they look pretty good right now when Austin Matthews can't stop shooting pucks in the net. So that is the recipe for this team. I think that's the recipe for them to stay engaged in the regular season is the individual cookies and carrots. And I know people are going to roll their eyes and go, oh, that's not winning hockey. No, it is. I'm actually pretty convinced that Austin Matthews or Tyler Bertuzzi or Matthew Nyes or pick your guy, Max Domi. Hey, he's been shooting it in the net a bit lately. All of that is the recipe. Like, think about a player like Max Domi. Yes, you'd like him to be a little more stout defensively. Yes, you'd like him to maybe have a bit more of a conscience in that area of the game. But you'd also like him to go get his 60 points, and that's what you need him to do to be an effective player. So I think that I think that people roll their eyes at that stuff, and they want to hear more. I think they feel better if you're hearing things about process and defensive mm. structure and all the stuff we heard last year when Morgan Riley was out and TJ Brody was out and Giordano was out. But I think that the realistic recipe for this team to have an awesome regular season is 
Go be cookie monsters. Don't cheat to do it because you're good enough to do it without cheating. Mm. But go get your points. Go stuff the stat sheet and it'll all take care of itself. Yeah, the Domi one's an interesting one because, yeah, he does not play with those other, the the four. I mean, when Austin Matthews yeah. is healthy, which apparently he is. He recovered quickly. And TJ Brody, they're expecting him mm-hmm. to, to play tonight <laughs> I gotta as well. Be, despite I, the fact that his first meal in like three days was I, breakfast yesterday. Okay, I was reading that and I went, I'm not going to work. I know it's different and they're warriors and, yeah. you know, their work is fun and uh-huh. stuff. Stuff. But I was reading that and I'm going. Well, our work is fun and stuff. No, it is. And we and you and I were warriors when we yes, gutted through true. last yeah. Friday of the the greatest show yeah, of all time. Yeah. That might might have been good, might have been not. But yeah. our performance was yeah. harrowing. But yeah, I read that exact same thing about T.J. Brody. They're saying oh, he was able to get a smoothie down or mm. something. Um, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a guy I'm dying uh, again. Given the given the depth of options well, for the Leafs right now, I get it. Especially like I know how I feel the day after I've recovered. Covered yeah. from a sickness, like, 100% I don't, physically I don't strong, right? Feel like probably playing a 60 minute National Hockey League game against a good team, playing 20 plus minutes, as I'm sure TJ Brody is going to be asked to do yep. uh, tonight on the top airing. Whatever. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, perhaps I'm not built like a professional athlete. No, no, don't. No, not perhaps. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. So Max Domi with Austin Matthews back in the line, going to slide back into his customary 3C position, mm-hmm. which again, like we're dubious of. That uh, happening in the postseason or past the trade deadline, probably an area that he needs to shore up. Did you know? So I mentioned yesterday, Max Domi, mm-hmm. most five-on-five assists on this Leafs team. Do you know he's on pace for his second-best points per 60 season of his entire career? He's got 17 points now yeah. in 28 games, just a couple of goals, but 15 assists. Um, he's not been asked to play a ton of minutes. Obviously, no, you understand say, his playing role. six minutes a night helps. I mean, <laughs> part of that is, right? Like, he, he's averaging 12.48 per game yeah. this season, and he's racked up 17 points to that point. This has been a, a third line that over the the years has lacked identity. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a totally well-rounded third line, no. I don't think you would argue. I don't I don't think this is a, a line that you want mm, taking defensive zone draws all nope. that often. But here's what they do do. Fired in the net. Like, they, they they are capable of creating offense, doing a thing. What would you prefer, given your brother, uh, your druthers, a third line that does one thing mm-hmm. and does it pretty well, yep. considering the, the resources uh, at hand for mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs, or a more well-rounded, defensively responsible, but less good at one individual thing, third line. Yeah, I think the I think the Rosetta Stone answering that is who the center is. And until it's somebody other than Max Domi, I think it needs to be an offensively minded third line. Yeah, in a per, you know, yeah, in a perfect world, Ryan O'Reilly was back here centering that line and maybe Domi gets to be the offensive conscience of a defensively stout line with him and Yarncrock or something along those lines. That isn't happening. And we know if this team is gonna add it's going to be on the blue line. That's not to say they might not add another body up front, more of a depth piece, something like that. But if they're going to take a big-ish swing, it's going to come on the blue line. So the idea of there being a new third-line center, you know, you think of the way this Leafs group is 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 built up, and you do have some of those Swiss Army knife types who can do a little bit of everything. You're David Camp, you're Noah Gregor. I don't think we quite know what Bobby McMahon is, but I think he's kind of more maybe in that mold. But then you also do have your kind of specialists down in the bottom of the Leafs lineup. You look at Max Domi. That is a guy who, I mean, you don't want to do it. It's not your chief option, but 
if uh, if the plague continues to rip through this team, that guy can run your power play on a half wall. Like he is clearly a capable or better than capable, a gifted passer who can play with skilled players. You look at a guy like Nick Robertson, and he's taken strides in the defensive sides of the game, but that's never what he's going to be there to do. It's going to be there to rip the puck. That guy can shoot it. I mean, we know it's and we know he's lying when he said this to us. But Austin Matthews said, "Oh, I didn't even know if I have the best shot on the team. It might be Robertson." Again, flattering, but there's some truth to that there and I think it's a very different look than what the Leafs have gone for the Acharis the O'Reilly's those type of even your Hyman and your Mikheyev types that you had in in the bottom six in in years past so I think it's a very interesting look and the thing now it's a double-edged sword you're going to ask more of your top six defensively if you have a line that's like that but you also don't need them to put up 80% of the goals you're going to score in a series in theory, if you have a little more balanced scoring. So I think it's a really interesting question. And I don't even know that this is the way true living would want to do it. If he just had his druthers, Hey, start from scratch, build a hockey team. I bet it's a more defensively minded third line, but this is what they've got. And it's working out really well for them. Yeah, You're going to do a thing, do it pretty well. And, and so far so good with that third line and Max Domi in particular, who's been, if not a home run signing, like at least an extra base hit for for Brad for living on a one year deal. Yeah, better Maybe. better than the Jays in the series against yeah, the Jays. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi, same deal. Three for uh, sure. Three points uh, a couple of days ago as well in that hockey game. How much credit should Brad for living get for? Because I've, I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of discussion about you know, hey, Simon Benoit, William Lagason, yeah. Martin Jones. Look at all these contributors on no money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're making no money. And like, if those guys don't work out, mm-hmm. guess what happens? They get forgotten about and they get thrown overboard, get sent back down to, to the Marlies. They get claimed on waivers. Yep. How much credit do you deserve if you're a general manager and you acquire some of those guys, but they are contributing, but considering that there's a lot less spotlight, there's a lot less risk involved in, in signing guys to deals that are, are, I mean, in the case of Noah mm-hmm. Gregor, like non-guaranteed yep. PTO deals at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're just gonna kind of compare and contrast to last year's team, right? Like Noah Gregor, Zach Aston Reese. I'll, I'll take Gregor, thanks. And I like Zach Aston Reese for moments, and maybe again he provides more of a hard and fast utility in the bottom six than a guy like Gregor. But I'm good. I'll take Gregor. Like that's a really really nice signing. The Martin Jones. I'm I'm gonna hold my fire on what that is yet. I'm trying not to get over. <laughs> Have you looked at his game log from last year? Because yes. I was doing that a little bit yesterday. Because it looks like he's gonna get yet another start, a second yeah. consecutive, looking to stay unbeaten as a, a, a Leafs goalie this year. Is Ilya Samsonov? Who the hell knows when he's getting in next? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he had the the run of wins with the the Kraken, but the save percentage was not good. Do you know what a quality start is? For, for NHL goaltenders, like I've seen it before. Yeah. I didn't know the qualifications. Do you know what it is? I would think like three goals allowed or no, something. No, it like has that. nothing to do with goals allowed. That's I would have dumb. thought the same thing. You have, to, you, have, you have to face at least 20 shots in a game and have a save percentage um, of uh, above 88 and a half percent. So above uh, 0.88. I'm out on five. That. It's a bad stat. Anyways, bad, bad stat. So we had 20 of those. That. Martin Jones last year had 20 of those in 48 games. He also had nine games in which he allowed five goals or more and 17 a season ago. Like four goals feels like the mark of delineation. Yeah. Like if you allow. That's why I said three, because three is like, like you for sure have a shot. Yeah, yes. 
17 of his 48 games, though, he allowed at least four goals, right? Yeah, so, which, like, we, it's hard not to live in the moment with what you've seen from Martin Jones, mm-hmm. who looks like, oh, man, that guy is calm, cool, collected. Yeah. The, the, the floor is so high. I mean, evidence would suggest the floor is actually pretty low. Yeah, he also gave up four goals in the game <laughs> against the Rangers that right. were talking about him like he was yeah. prime lungfist. And I... I understand everyone rushing, or I shouldn't even say rushing, because I think even the most bullish people on him are tiptoeing into those waters, going like, well, this is interesting. He has a bit of pedigree. This guy didn't come. This isn't Keith Petrozelli who came out of nowhere. So Martin Jones, I think the thing he deserves the most credit for, and I don't know how much this is part and parcel of the equation, is getting him through waivers because he's not Kyle Dubas. Like, again, the least signed a goaltender out of Finland in the middle of the season who got claimed on, on waivers. So the fact that they were able to sneak Martin Jones through is, I don't know if it's a miracle. I don't know if it's the old boys club coming through. I don't know what is the case reason for that, but good on whoever it was. I don't know. Maybe Brandon Pridham put some, some salary cap pixie dust on him and was able to sneak him through. Whoever was able to do that gets a ton of credit just because you see goalies are dropping like flies. Another goalie got hurt in Detroit last night. There, That is a position of need. You see what the Oilers have gone through. So just having that guy, that's a win. Just having him. The Benoit and the Lagos, or sorry, the Benoit and Lagerson thing, mm. I look at and I think you have to give him credit as nothing but pure wins. I don't think you look at it as a absolute slam dunk home run signing for either there's of those no guys. There's no risk involved in those deals though. Yeah, there's no risk, but the fact that you can find guys for nothing that have mm-hmm. been contributors and even if even if all they are is people who are able to keep this decor afloat until the real decor shows up after the trade deadline, home run signing. So I'm going to give him a ton of credit for those two, even if they aren't part of the playoff picture for this team. The Klingberg one, I'm very conflicted on because I actually feel like people give him way more of a pass than I do on that. There is still the missed opportunity cost of doing that on the very first day of free agency. And he is yet to prove that there is a, there's a great move to be made to follow that up with the money that you have available. So I think a big part Mm. of the, the grade for me for everything I can grade complete right now, plus, plus, plus great job for living. But the Klingberg part of it specifically is such a question mark for me in terms of what he does with the money. Yeah. I'm going to keep tabs on, on the scoreboard watching for Brad for living, but his final exam is coming at the trade deadline this year. Like we all understand that. And I give him more credit for and understanding that there's obviously like an emotional component to the Max Domi thing, like Max Domi, I don't know how many other teams he talked to, but like pretty clearly, I, I can imagine that Max Domi's uh, representatives yeah. were very engaged with the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially considering the term that, yeah, like whatever it takes to, to mm-hmm. land in Toronto, and it's worked out well. Tyler Bertuzzi, um, there were some rough spots to, to start the season, yeah. but that looks like a, a pretty successful signing as well. Like, I give him more credit for those for because sure. of the, the level of risk involved in, in those deals, despite the fact they're one-year deals as opposed to the William Logasons of, uh, of the world. All right, uh, why don't we take a break? And when we come great. back, uh, we can talk about the Senators doing the thing that seemed obvious like a week and a half How ago. How dare we speculate on it, though? But no, no, we were wrong. No, no, Jacques Martin, he's just there to to, 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 to tell him what to do, not to actually do the job. No, yeah, it turns no, out he is going to do gonna the say, job. He's just going to tell 18 people what to do. And yeah. then somebody else talks to the goalies because that's how it works now. Someone should tell him. He hasn't yeah. been a head coach in the NHL for a while. He's not allowed to talk to those guys anymore. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben and his friend Gunning. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors who are capable of beating the previously 7-17 seven and 17 Charlotte Hornets. Scary, scary for a minute there. Yeah, missing four-fifths of their, their starting five. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Like, they, they they took two timeouts in the first, like, five minutes of the basketball game. That's gross. Do you know, and this is just like a, a late mention by our mm. guy, Matt Devlin, at the end of the game. Raptors have an NBA-leading Five wins this season when entering the fourth quarter trailing. And that was the, that was their fifth. Their so, clutch. C- congratulations to the Raptors. That's their black box. That's the recipe. What is the perfect uh, spot for the Raptors finish? I mean, like, obviously, like, at the top of the Eastern Conference would be, okay, but, like, realistically, what is the ideal spot for the Raptors to finish during the regular season, and how is it not one spot below the play-in tournament? Because yes. right now they're one spot in the play-in tournament, so we have to do that again. Right. And the play-in tournament exists for, like, the Western Conference. You got the yeah, Suns yeah. in there. The Clippers have pulled themselves out because, like, yeah. I regret to inform you that the Clippers are actually good now, and Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, like, that. that's that's working. Yeah, it. It, I have no doubts about Kawhi continuing to work there. We've seen this move with James Harden before. It's not his best behavior. Yeah, but like if you could sign up today, we could all shake hands. I and... love I love a good firm handshake, by the way. I just <laughs> heard them doing like a news story out there, yeah. and it's like this will shock you. Uh, COVID's making the rounds uh, again. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. I remember coming out of COVID like when we were like out of it for a second, and I could not wait to look someone in the eye and give them a firm handshake. That's I was really, so excited to do really it. really strange. Um <laughs> In, not me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to shake your hand. So if we could all just shake hands, like if we could Can we? get like Adam Silver in a room and we could say, yeah, this is all great. Should I got Will Lou to do it when he was on the Raptor show? Yeah. Hey, can we just like, hey, like I know the trade deadline is going to be an intriguing moment in time for this Raptors team, but can we all We've been told. shake hands? Raptors convey their first round pick to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the worst version of that right. without having to see this team play in yet another play-in tournament game that they finish on the outside of the play-in tournament. Can we all do that? Who wouldn't shake hands on that? Because I... I you know who. I don't know. You is, know who. Is there, is there more to be, like... Is Scotty Barnes going to, is that like important to his development no. to play in yet another play-in no. tournament game? Like that's, that's important for him. Like he looks, I mean, he's a guy that shoots threes now. Yeah. Upping his volume and, and being league average, which is an incredible development. He stuffed the stat sheet yesterday with mm-hmm. what, 17 rebounds. But yeah, I, I don't know if we need to see this team play beyond the requisite 82. I completely understand what you're saying, but I think if you're, in the business of giving up your first round pick anyways, you should strive to have, oh, God, I can't even sell myself on it, but I do think it's the right answer. If like, you should try to strive to have the best season you can have. And if that means getting gritting your teeth and dragging your butt into the play in tournament, so you can be cannon fodder for somebody or have a moment where you push. I, I think the answer to that question all depends on when Pascal Siakam is traded. Cause everyone, everyone keeps telling me it's going to happen at the deadline. They told me it was going to happen in the summer. They told mm-hmm. me it was going to happen last year. And then apparently there's now at least a possibility of him getting getting extended. So I think the answer to that is if Pascal Siakam's on the team, he might as well go play in the play-in tournament. 
I don't want, and this isn't even about Pascal. It's just about the direction and the stasis that the franchise is in right now. But if he's here, you might as well try to win games because otherwise, what is the point of of, ha- of having him here, of having OG Ananobi? So I'm with you. Mm. I am not going to sit here and go, well, you know, those three guys, if you could just find a way, the right spacing, maybe they get hot for a day. We won't be doing that. But I do think, you know, it's not even about just Scotty. It's about Coach Darko. Do you want him coaching a team? And if you are a believer in him, and do not count me among that group. I don't know that I'm sitting here watching the guy who is going to lead the Raptors to the promised land. I'm not pouring dirt on him either. But if you're a believer in him as a coach, you want him to not have the reps of a play-in tournament game. That doesn't matter. But have the reps of the games at the end of the season meaning something and not just playing out the string, not going, all right, Malachi, your car tonight, you can drive it as much as you want. Who cares what happens? Like, I don't think that's good for him or the players that are in that position on the team. So I'm with you. Am I pulling for it? God, no. But I actually think so, so long as there's not a Pascal Siakam trade, which I am more dubious of every day, then I think you might as well get in the play-in tournament. Here's what I'm most interested in in watching the remainder of the Raptors season in the immediacy. And it's, I don't know, I'm going to have to find something else after this happens. Can they get in a fight with a rapper again, the broadcast crew? Yeah, Remember that, when Wale, Wale was mad yeah. at Devlin? Yeah, it was Whale, good. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the Detroit Pistons yesterday just lost their 24th consecutive game, okay? Yeah, and that's Kate, bad. They covered the spread, though. It was 11 points they covered, okay, against the Atlanta Hawks. Kate Cunningham had a, a nice game, and he's saying all the right things, and, and maybe there's still Did hope Bunk for him. Did Bunk text you about this? It feels weird that you knew they covered, but good job. Um, so they lost 24 straight. The NBA single season record for consecutive losses is 26. The NBA overall record for consecutive losses is the 15, 16 Sixers and 28. The 29th consecutive loss for the Pistons could come on December 30th in Detroit in a game that will be attended by many a Raptor fan against the Raptors. At a certain point, like I get it, like it's got to be so disappointing for Pistons fans. Yeah, for, for, you know that's a great basketball community, totally. and they have a history of winning. And yeah, yeah, there's just that's that's a pretty storied franchise. It's totally. embarrassing considering how many high draft picks this team has already accrued to mm-hmm. be going through this. But at a certain point, things do flip where you're like, oh, I got to show up for the freak show. Like honestly, I I have half a mind. To be scouting tickets for that <laughs> that December 30th game in Detroit, which is always a scene. Yeah. Raptors, yeah. Pistons, it's the closest uh, we got as as far as, you know, making the, the pilgrimage for Raptors fans. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to pony up the, the money to, to go to Scotiabank Arena. That, to me, is the most interesting point of the season to this point. And I cross my fingers right. that the Pistons don't make it don't you dare screw this up and and the the schedule would lead you to believe that they're not going to they got i think their most winnable game well they got back-to-backs against the jazz which is tough to win both of those games but if anybody can do it anybody can it's it's the pistons losing those games like that is i i can't wait to see that basketball game yeah so jazz net so it's actually jazz back-to-back against the nets celtics Then Raptors. Mm. So yeah, Nets is the that is your that's gonna gum all this up. Yeah, we'll I, see. I, I would I'd love to be wrong. I believe about that. in you, Pistons. You do? Okay. I hope so as well. If you have never been, uh, honestly, like consider it. Maybe not for for that one, but ever make the trip. I've done it a couple of times. I spent a ton of time in Windsor down there. I did it all the time. So yeah, I loved it. Great scene. Although I've done this I've done the just, Tigers Jays thing. Done Tigers a million times. times. Yeah, I. Uh, 
I will say though, my maybe this is just my worry wart curse self. It's not impossible that they're the team that has the piston snap this streak, right? I guess. Like it's not but, I mean, that would be electric. That would be electric to see. Could they do I it? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All it right. would be an all-time uh, thing of futility, for sure. All right, that was our requisite uh, Raptors talk. Raptors corner. Yeah. Um, shout out to Willu. Shout out to uh, Michael Angelar, who pulled the trigger mm. on on paying a head coach to no longer coach his team because Jacques Martin has taken over for DJ Smith after four consecutive losses, continuing to be in the basement of the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, in um, And it felt like at the outset, and like we said it explicitly, it felt like, well, this that is was why, disgusting of us to say that, though. How dare we? Why? Why are you doing this half measure thing where you bring in a franchise icon, um, one of the all time great head coaches mm-hmm. in NHL history, to be an advisor to a guy that's obviously on tenter hooks? Mm-hmm. Why not just pull the trigger, rip the bandaid off? Yep. But no, 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 no. The insiders they all told us that that Jacques Martin has no intention of eventually wouldn't want that stepping into the big job. Uh, here we go. A week and a half later, yeah. <laughs> it, it it has happened. So congratulations to us, I guess. Yeah. Should have bet on it. That's why not congratulations to us. Yeah. I, I suppose if if you could bet on it, we should have. Um, there's been so much negativity around the Leafs the last mm-hmm. seven seasons because of the postseason. Yeah. But yeah, look, man, again, I'm going to revisit this mm-hmm. conversation after seven o'clock about regular seasons. Yep. The Leafs have regular season magic. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are reasons to believe that the Ottawa Senators are better than the record indicates. Look at the amount of young talent that is on that Senators team. And look at the lack of success that they've had after being in double overtime of Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final. By the way, like, how do you evaluate what's a successful season? Mm -hmm. Because there is, like, a a real argument to be made that since – because that was the first year – of Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. that was the seven, uh, the six-game series loss to the Washington Capitals yep. when when the Sens were in that double overtime game seven against the Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. who eventually went on to win the Stanley Cup against the Nashville Predators. Is <laughs> there's like an argument to be made that over the last seven years, the Ottawa Senators have been a more successful team than the Toronto Maple Leafs? They've had one more successful season. I don't think they've been a more successful team. Well, how do you judge it? I think that when you are looking at it of the merit of the merits of if you had the Leafs if you had the Leafs track record of getting there and they had the one year you could let's say the Leafs lost in the first round every year but instead of last year they didn't lose to the Panthers they ended up losing or well they would have beat the Panthers and then it's the Hurricanes I guess they would have faced in the conference final then you get to add that to the resume of that era and say ah they used all this as a building block with the Sens it was they got there completely mm-hmm. disappeared never to be seen again and I think to your point yeah uh, Dion Phaneuf was on that team yeah I know I remember they I was at a during that playoff run, not for that game seven, but during that playoff run, I was at a wedding of a guy who was a Sens fan. And I just remember sitting there being like, they're playing. How are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. I cannot believe it. Anyways, uh, shout out Nick. Hope you hope you and Leslie are doing well. The when I when I look at that though, I think that it because it's the one off, you look at it very differently than if it was the crown jewel of sure. a bunch of disappointments. Okay, but like say I had told you, so Leafs draft Austin Matthews mm-hmm. first overall 
preceding that season. Yep. That over the next, I say, I, I, I say here, uh-huh. here's the deal that you can take. Over the next seven years, you're guaranteed to be in a double overtime of game seven of the conference. And I'm not going to tell you if right. you're going to win it or not. Yeah, I know. But I, I'd expect to lose. Okay, you can press the button, and you will you will get that, or you can just let it play out. What would you have done? I think you would have let it played out. I think if you would have, if, you would have been wrong. Yeah, I would have. But I think that most people would say I'm not signing up to have losing. And again, to your point, no, you yeah, could have won. Yeah, I, again, I, I just set the parameters. Yeah. You're in a double overtime, yeah, so no, it's basically no, it's a, a coin no, flip no, to get to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, but I'm not able to like I'm not able to put myself in a place where I would believe the Leafs could ever win that game if they were in it. Mm. I watched all the. Do you, did you watch all the overtimes against Montreal? Mm-hmm. I would. I would the whole time. Even though he's not on the team or in the NHL, I would just assume Alex Gilchenyuk was going to descend from the rafters to just throw the puck into the slot for the other team to have after the Leafs had outshot them 11-1. That's what <laughs> I thought was going to happen the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Anyway, so the previous point that, like, there's more than a few teams that have accrued good young talent, the Sens and the Sabres come to mind, that have accomplished nothing during the regular season. And we forget, like, mm-hmm. how quick the turnaround was for this team. Yep. And I know, yeah, we get bogged down with the one mm-hmm. series victory over over seven years mm-hmm. with this team, but they've been in the playoffs since the word go. Yep. And, like, what the Sabres, what the Senators fans would have done to have that level of regular season success over the last, like, near decade is, yeah, they, they, they would have sold their souls. Well, and I think the really interesting thing with the Sens, and the Sabres fall in this category as well, but I've got the Sens cap friendly in front of them, so, and we're talking about them, so I'll use them to make this point, is that it's starting to become a double-edged sword, the idea of, hey, you know what the best thing about Ottawa is? It's not the pieces they've accrued. Those are really nice. But it's Tim Stutzla at 8-3. It's Brady Kachuk at 8-2. It's Josh Norris at 7-9. It is Drake Batherson at 4-9. And, you know, we can quibble about how much you like, love, whatever of those deals. But all of a sudden it goes from, look at this. You got this great core. They're signed up to great contracts. The cap's only going to grow up to, you have all these guys locked in. and They haven't done a thing. Forget not done a thing that matters like the Leafs core. Just not done a thing at all of getting in. And... Is it still good that you have these guys on deals that, like, Tim Stutz is 21 years old. Him at 8'3", by the time we're in 26, 27, and the caps jump to Lord knows what, that's going to look like an amazing deal. But if you've already got yourself set in stone of you can't pay any, he can't be anything less than your second line center making that money. You still got to go find a one if that's the case. So I think it's a very interesting question for those fan bases of, you know, obviously they're frustrated right now with the way things are going, but would you want to still have all those guys locked up or would you want to have more room Mm. to pivot? And it's not, again, it's not like it's impossible to pivot. If they want to move off those guys, they could pretty easily find takers for those those deals. Those those are not the problems, but yeah, it hasn't worked at all. Well, is Austin Matthews the problem? Is Mitch Marner the problem? Is William (laughs) Nylander the problem? Is John Tavares the problem? Is Morgan Riley the problem? We're talking about two different problems, right? Like it's, it's it's like one percenter problems what the Leafs have. And it's, it's, I I don't think it's viewed as such. Uh Because it feels so pronounced. Um, but yeah, again, look around the NHL at some teams that had similar expectations in acquiring yeah. like really good young talent. Um, you know, the Red Wings lost again. I know you know. But the Red Wings <laughs> lost again yesterday with Patrick Kane to the Ducks 4-3. Uh, they are now 1-5-1 and with Patrick Kane. Oh. He's minus seven in seven games. Um, yeah. We talked about this uh, at the time that the mm-hmm. Leafs were involved in conversations with him. Like, if he completes this season, it'll be the longest anyone's ever played after yep. a procedure of that ilk. Hip smoothing. 
But there was an indication that this guy understood that this is the end and it might not go well considering he was looking for max term, max dollars. Uh, Didn't get term, didn't get dollars. Joined a Red Wings team that was like surprisingly on the up and up. Since then, they've fallen outside of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Looking in, and it's no longer a fun story there at all. It's not all on him. Of course not. He's scored a goal. He's had some points on the power play, but not a ton. Like, again, minus seven. He is playing over 20 minutes a game, too. It's not like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's being eased in here. This is a guy that's been asked to to be Patrick Kane, and it hasn't worked out even a little bit. Well, because they need him to be. They've got some nice pieces there, but they still have holes in their top six where you need Patrick Kane to be Patrick Kane and you know maybe we shouldn't begrudge anyone trying to get their money I know you of all people Ben would never ever speak ill of someone for trying to extract every red cent they could possibly get out of it but it's pretty telling that Patrick Kane was saying I want short flights maybe even a nice drive I want to be close to home I want a lot of money and I want a lot of term Mm mm-hmm what And I know part of it is like, hey, not, not that the Wings are not a cherished franchise who I'm sure he's happy to play for, but, you know, what does every guy do with the Leafs when they want to win? They come here and they say, can I take less than league men? Four bucks a night. How about that? It's not give me all the term and give me all the money. And I think that's super telling of where he's at. I also think that you have every right to do that when, you know, he's not chasing or he is chasing a cup. I'm sure he came back because he wants to win, but he doesn't need it. Patrick Kane, no one's ever going to look at him in Detroit and say, oh, boy, this really hurts his legacy. Oh, oh, is he even good without Captain Serious Jonathan Taves? No, this is all just gravy uh, for whatever it could have been. But, yeah, I think think it was very telling at the time that he wanted the term and the money. And, again, you shouldn't begrudge someone for that. But if you want to win, we all know what what is the currency in this league, and it's cap space, cap space, cap space. So you taking up as much of it as you could have got was very telling. Yeah, yeah. Tough, tough news for a Red Wings team that felt like they were putting something together and they could bounce back. But this is this is a rough little spell for them coinciding with the signing of Patrick Kane, which felt like a coup. I think you would have to be the type of person who views the way I do, uh, which is a, you know a little negative at times to think this way. But you know, Alex DeBrincat, that was a nice trade for them. Homecoming felt like a really big piece of it, and you know, I know they hope it's going to be a long run for him and together there. And why wouldn't it be? But you know, if this is like, if we're going to put the GM LeBron on GM to bring cat here and he was like, Hey, I love Patrick Kane. He loves me. I'm the Pied Piper to get him here. If I'm a wings fan, there's definitely a piece of me going, Hey, could you not have, could you not have Alex to bring cat? Could you not have just continued mm. with this nice core and you and Larkin and Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. Mm. And I think the other thing about Kane is that you can never forget the place he holds for all the guys that are young players in the league right now. That's, that's not, it's not Patrick Kane like you or I look at him. Mm-hmm. It's Patrick freaking Kane to those guys, especially if you're an American hockey player. Oh, yeah. You're playing with the greatest player your country has ever produced until Austin Matthews hopefully one day surpasses him. But he has that spot. And I think that putting a guy of that ilk into a room, this isn't the Wings teams where they were grabbing those guys all the time and Medano and Chelios and they're, it's just, yeah, we're all peers. Congrats. Welcome to the club. No. Patrick Kane is head and shoulders, quite honestly, above what anyone on that team will ever be in their NHL life. And I think that that element to the team dynamic, there's something to it. And, you know, to bring it back to the lease for a second, I think that was part of the problem with some of the guys they brought in. You know, I don't think Patrick Marlowe carried that weight. I think eventually he did for those guys. But how can Joe Thornton come into a room and not take all of the oxygen up and have a young player. I, I, 
You, you know, Joe Thornton's older than me, and not by that much, but I'd be sitting there going, okay, Jumbo, you just tell us how it is, whatever you say. So I think when you bring in a guy like that, you have to be very careful. And I don't think this is a flaw of Patrick Kane's or anything. It's just the reality of the situation. You got to be careful about what it does to the room as well. They're still plus 11 in the goal differential department. They're still tied on points uh, with the Capitals for that final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, but uh, the Caps have three games in hand. You know, the Flames are now only one point back of a playoff spot in the Western Conference after uh, their victory over Matthew Kachuk and the Panthers yesterday. I mean, this this feels like a typo, but it's it's real. Uh, Chris Tanev returned to the lineup. He blocked 10 shots yesterday. So it's like a double whammy. Again, mm-hmm. like if you're a Leaf fan, you should be rooting for the Flames to lose every day. Yep. Despite the fact, I know we had this conversation with Frank Cervell and he says mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like they understand the writings on the wall and there's yeah. a, like a, a, if not a rebuild, a retool that needs to occur there. It's, especially when you're talking about a pending mm-hmm. free agent that could maybe net you a first round pick. Um, yeah, and it, it feels like the Leafs, considering they don't have a second, that, that might be the target the Flames are looking at. Um, but holy cow, like twofold, <laughs> guy continues to boost his value and 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 two, yeah, the Flames being closer to the playoffs. I I I I can't help but feel like considering the run of narrative in that city after Bradford Living departs after the the trade for the guy that was a hundred point player and Jonathan Huberdeau, who is obviously significantly mm-hmm. less than that. The Nazem Kadri coup signing, yep. which eh, he's been okay and he's been better recently. But yeah, that 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 team needs a narrative win and getting into the postseason, even if it is, is a wild card team. Like I, I, I got to think they're loath to start shipping off pieces if they're in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Yeah, I just that feels like such a tough sell. A big piece of the reason they made the Zadorov trade. I mean, they wouldn't come out and outright say it, but just read the tea leaves. There is that it got uncomfortable for the guys in the room. They care about that room too much. Lindholm, the captain, was upset about the way that 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 was handled internally, so they had to get him out. Uh, I think we'd all be shocked if we found out Chris Tanev was some big problem in the room in Calgary. Feels like probably the exact opposite. Feels mm-hmm. like a super beloved guy that moving him out would be waving the white flag, whether you're actually ready to do that or not. So I think that's the other part of it. And, you know, I know some people roll their eyes at this stuff, but I think there's an element of it that it's the true living part of Toronto as well. But it wouldn't matter if Bill Smith or John Doe was the GM of the Leafs. It's just a bigger, it's not a bigger target, but it becomes a bigger story. And especially elsewhere in Canada, your fan base hates it if you if you help them. And the other part of it as well is that they know, I mean, we all seem to know that Tanev is going to, it, should the Leafs land him, seems like we're all expecting mm-hmm. that March Giordano deal to follow. So how can you not try to exert, exert more if you're saying, hey, I'm not trading you the, yeah. him at one year, four, or whatever his cap it is this year. I'm trading you at one, four, <laughs> plus three for 800K. Yeah. How much longer can he stay healthy if he's blocking 10 shots a game too? Like, well, I mean, the answer to that is, can it be 20 some odd postseason <laughs> yeah. games? Because that's really all we need. Yeah. All right. Shout out. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, the the Leafs with, I guess, another measuring stick game against a Rangers team that they blew out at MSG last week. Do we not respect the regular season enough in this city? We'll discuss that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.